Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You're listening to Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare on KSL News Radio. Thank you for joining us today for Healthy Mind Matters. I'm Maria Shaleos, and today my guest is Dr. Robert Mendenhall. He is an addiction medicine physician for Intermountain's Day Spring Treatment and Recovery Center. Doctor, let's talk about the differences between illegal drugs, illicit substances, and possibly things that a person has been prescribed. Because I think the conversation with family members looks a lot different when a doctor has actually prescribed you painkillers, even if there is some sort of problem going on. Yeah, it absolutely does. You know, I think it's much more difficult to recognize that there's a problem when you're taking medications as they're prescribed. Um, I think a lot of people have the um, sort of mistaken thought that uh, if they're t- as long as they're taking medication as prescribed, then they're not. Uh, then there is no problem. There is no addiction. There is no no issue, and that might be the case. But there might also be um, some addiction there, um, and that's why it's so important to recognize those sort of red flags, those warning signs of, you know, your world re- revolving around it, that kind of thing. Yeah, we know that doctors are getting better about what they are prescribing because we know with the opioid epidemic just how addictive these substances are. But I'm wondering how, when you look at your clientele, how many have are are with you because they were became addicted to a substance like that compared to someone who has just been out maybe experimenting with other kinds of of drugs? Um, yeah, it's probably more in my experience, uh, just with my clientele, uh, it's, it's more so people that have been prescribed, uh, medications and have become a problem with that. Now, sometimes p- being prescribed medications leads to illicit substance use, right? So sometimes people will uh, start with something like an oxycodone or Percocet or Lortab problem, and then it turns into something like heroin. Um, but oftentimes, uh, you know, that problem is, is, caused by the prescription and it never leaves the prescription medications. Um, Oftentimes people will um, overuse their medications. Oftentimes they'll take them just as prescribed, but they begin to get a lot of negative consequences from taking it and getting off of it becomes very, very difficult for them. Um, And so those are some of the people that I most commonly see. Hmm. Have things gotten better for your clientele when it comes to things like um, how people see them because of the opioid epidemic, it seems like we're talking a lot more about how easy it is to really become addicted and that this isn't something that people choose. This is something um, that is more physical in nature. Has it become easier for your clientele to reach out and get help? I believe so. I believe that things are getting better. Um, 
you know, people do talk more about uh, sort of getting support from their family rather than judgment. People talk a little bit more about getting support from, uh, you know, religious leaders, getting support from community people um, rather than, you know, sort of judgment or punishment. Um, also, our court system has gotten a lot better at kind of recognizing that this is an issue that needs to be treated medically um, rather than something that needs to be sort of punished with, you know, jail time or something along those lines. And so those things, I think, lead to a better sort of culture of getting treatment and a better situation for those that need the treatment. Uh, so I think it is getting better. I think we do have a long way to go still. I think there is a lot of that stigma that's out there. And and there's a little personal stigma with addiction, you know, a lot of guilt where people feel like, um, you know, I'm a failure because I have a relapse or, you know, I I have failed my family or things like that. And, and it's important, I think, to um, get to a place where you can realize that, no, th this is an illness. This is a sickness. And, um, you know, we, we can treat it. We can treat it with some medical things and we can treat it with some therapy and we can get you to a place where you can get that life back and get it more under control. And it's important to recognize that. For those people who may not um, understand or have had experience with um, why a person would go from using a prescription drug to heroin, Maybe this is a good time to maybe explain how that happens or why that happens. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I'd be able to give you a fantastic Because I think of heroin and I go, whoa, you know, why would you do that, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that, um, you know, opiates do something to your brain. I think they, they, you know, when you do have those susceptibilities, I think that it does... Uh, sort of change the way that you think about those substances. It changes the way that you think about what's uh, the consequences of those things. And um, it makes you sort of minimize those consequences a bit, even though you know that you might get in trouble for switching from legal to illegal sort of drug use. Um, very often you don't weigh that correctly. And I think it, it sort of changes your brain to make you not weigh that, uh, you know, correctly. And, um, you know, it's important to recognize that there is high risk for that, you know, um, in, in the last nationwide, this isn't as big of an issue in Utah, but nationwide in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, since we've re recognized the opiate opioid academic epidemic and started to minimize some of our prescription use with that, we've seen increases in illicit uh, opiate use, even in the elderly, even in people over 65 that are using things like fentanyl and heroin and things like that, just because, you know, there's such, such an addiction there. Um, and that's obviously something we don't want. That's sort of an unintended consequence of all of this. But it's interesting. It's always been interesting and scary to think about that that bridge exists in in a way that um, we don't totally understand. So we've been talking about mainly drugs. What is the difference between an addiction and, say, alcoholism? Um, I think that there's not much difference. I think that they they react in your brain in a very now, um, you know, there's many people that will drink alcohol that never become alcoholics, but there's also many people who who drink alcohol that it becomes a similar issue where, you know, they have to have a little bit in their system to function throughout the day. They have to, you know, they look forward through the whole day to being able to get home at night and being able to drink again. Um, and so it has very, very similar reactions to your brain and, and consequences to your behavior um, to opiates and to um, illicit drug use. With the availability of alcohol being much greater than other types of drugs, are you seeing more alcoholism in this time where we're all isolated? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I don't know 
necessarily that it's more alcohol compared to more opiates, but we're definitely seeing increases in alcohol. Um, and, um, you know, with all other uses, we're, we're seeing that as well. I think maybe in Utah, we tend to um, have a little bit more of an issue with, you know, prescription opiates than we do with, with alcohol. Um, but alcoholism is a huge issue and a good percent of the patients that I have for addiction are definitely, you know, trying to get off of alcohol. All right. We need to take a break. If you are struggling right now, let's give you the emotional health relief hotline that you can call. That number is 833-442-2211. And you're listening to Healthy Mind Matters on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.